Hey there, everybody. Episode 85 of No Guitar is Safe podcast coming right at you. My name is Jude Gold. Today, we're plugging in with the amazing Jeff Marshall. He is as humble as he is badass on the fretboard. And let me tell you, he's very badass. So it's a nice combination. Love this cat. Friend of mine here in LA, he has toured with Alan Parsons, the great producer and band leader. Man, those guys drove a tour bus straight into Burning Man. You know we're going to hear about that. He also has a great sort of blues fusion band called Bleeding Harp. We're going to dive into that. He also survived a two-week tour supporting Ted Nugent. You know we're going to hear about that. And we jam a lot, and he also shares a lot of cool gear tips and shows you his favorite pedals. I hope you dig. Today's episode is brought to you by Guitar Player Magazine and GuitarPlayer.com. Guitar Player. Play better. Sound better. Got the live jam going here with Jeff Marshall. He's playing his signature model iconic Strat style guitar. Whoa, what was that? Can you do that twice? illegal. <laughs> yeah. All right, back at you. Sick. I love the way you're connecting all those lines. <laughs> Make me want to go... I'm also holding one of your uh, iconic guitars. Yeah. Oh. Thank you. 
Yeah, baby. Man, you were doing so much cool shit on that jam. There's one thing that you kind of did a couple times. We're kind of this one little geometrical area, but like the 12th fret, because we were in the... The, the infamous alt- blues box, right? Yeah, well, the all-time <laughs> rock-approved key of E. That's right, of course. The only key I play in, actually. Some kind of stuff like that or something, but you were doing so much... You know, Can you show me some of that stuff that... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what you're talking oh. about, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I spent a lot of time in this particular box, as many of us have, so... Uh, you got to get creative after a while <laughs> trying to find some new stuff. But I do some of these kind of string skipping licks, like. And I, I, it's, there's no theory or anything. It's just I'm just playing a note behind the regular pattern is all it is. That's the lick. And then you just tag it with the infamous blues lick, you know what I mean? And if you can't see it with your brain, because you're uh, listening out there in podcast land, you're doing a lot of hybrid picking with like your those high notes, the high string you're, you got your... Uh, I do. I do a lot of that. Thing. I've been doing that since I kind of started playing, so it's just kind of part of my DNA. Your middle finger usually? Or? Usually my middle finger, so yeah. So the high notes on, those, on that lick you were just playing, you're plucking with your middle finger. Uh-huh. Sounds yeah. like you're actually using your finger, your fingernail. Now we're getting super nerdy. Actually, I probably am. I actually, this is how nerdy I am. I actually go to a salon and get fake nails put on my two fingers. I've heard about your type. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they they see me roll up on my bike in my leather jacket and they, you know, like, what's this guy doing here? And then I want some nails done, so... Show us some of the stuff where you're plucking with the uh, the third finger, or second finger. Or yeah, finger. yeah, it's it's really easy to skip strings like that, you know. Yeah. That kind of thing, right? That kind yeah. of stuff. And I do like uh, like some of these shapes here, kind of like. A... <laughs> Gets I love you it. know that kind of like. String skipping, a little bit of Greg Howish type thing or something in there. That kind of stuff. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's it. super easy with your if you can get your kind of your fingers involved a little bit. That stuff. It's kind of my answer for tapping. I don't really do any tapping stuff, so. If I want to get some bigger yeah. intervals, I got to kind of get creative or whatever. Do you use that kind of those plucked notes? Throw them in on the lower strings too, like down in the lower frets on like the sixth and fourth. And first, you know what I'm talking I'm, about? Like, not as much. I mean, if I'm playing down here, like if I'm going something like that. That's not good. It's kind of like a little diminished shape, you know, but uh, it just makes it so much easier because you have kind of control of the low note here. You can kind of mute it a little bit, you know? Get a little bit of percussive sound out of it. And then you can kind of pop that upper string. Yeah. And it just, to me, it's just like a really cool sound, you know? So uh, I use it all the time. I use it probably almost as a crutch now is how much I use it, you know? You, you go back and forth between the pick notes and the pluck notes pretty quick, too. Yeah, I, 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 not something I really think a whole lot about. It's just kind of natural. Uh, I spent many years trying to get better at alternate picking, too, so I you know, want to get that in there a little bit. But uh, inevitably, there's going to, in, in any lick I play or any uh, thing I do, any song or anything like that, I'm going to be doing 
some definitely some hybrid type stuff. It's just part of my DNA, you know. Heck yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I know you do that stuff too. I mean, it's it's one of those things that I think um, was kind of reserved for more country style players, like you know, do the Travis picking kind of thing and stuff like that. But I'm certainly seeing a lot of more of it nowadays, where fusion yeah. players and you know, a, a lot blues players. You know, you see them kind of snapping. <laughs> You know, kind of just playing their yeah. blues licks, but using their fingers a lot. and Using their fingernail. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, what, you know, what would happen was uh, my fingernails would always just be a mess because I just, you know, I wasn't going to sacrifice not doing it, you know. So they'd be and then, all chipped and, like, mangled? Yeah, and they would be, you know, sensitive and blah, blah, blah. So uh, one of the, one of the, um, one of our... Uh, cohorts there jamie finley i think or one of the guy yeah. finger style guys at mi was telling me like go get some acrylic nails put on and i started doing it it took me a few times to get it to where it felt good like the you know the shape of it and stuff like that but now it's like i can't live without it dude what kind of acrylics do you use man dude man what salon do you go to <laughs> which what kind of acrylic nails do you endorse jeff oh i can't say right now i'm in the middle of endorsements right now but <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to alienate anybody. How long does it take you at the salon? And oh, it's like I go to the one down the block here, and the guy knows me. I've been going there for years. It takes like five minutes. He just sit down, boom, it's done. It doesn't take you know a couple minutes, and they last uh, about three weeks before they're they're ready to fall off, and then I go back. You know, so I think you know I spend like ten bucks a month on it. It's totally worth it. You know what I mean? Incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. Get some good fumes going a little there for a little bit. Of while course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I've been tempted to soak my feet a little bit while I was I'm there ask too. You, you know so what I'm saying? Do you it ever looks, go the whole nine it yards? It looks pretty delicious, get, but you, you know, usually pedi- you don't get the mani pedi. No, I don't get the mani pedi. Sorry. <laughs> Although I am tempted, it look, does look like a, a good time for sure. But uh, yeah, so that's one of the things I I, I do and um, have been doing for years. Now the downside of it is is sometimes if you're like out doing a gig out of town or something like that, sometimes I might just be washing my hands in a sink and I'll I'll crack it and it'll be like two hours before a show or something like that. And then uh, these you know these licks and the style is so ingrained that I I try to go for stuff and it doesn't happen because that nail's not there anymore. You know, so right. there is a downside, but. Um, for the most part, it's definitely, uh, I feel it's a very integral part of my That's style. That's cool, sure. man. Yeah. I'd never realized you had bionic nails. Yeah, yeah, I, it's true. I'll, I'll hook you up with my guy. Yeah. I got a guy, you know what I mean? That's badass. If you ever want to do that. But I know you you do a lot of that style, too, but you just, you just freeform it, right? You're well, old school. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of benefits to that, right? You, get, you can get, like, cool string skipping licks and stuff like that. Yeah, like... Yeah, I just think it's a style that you'd be a fool not to take advantage of. It doesn't matter if you're a country player. Like, Zach right. Wilde does it all day long with the Les Paul through the most fire-breathing amps. Yeah. Well, now I guess he's using his, his own wild guitars. Right, right. But, yeah, I mean, it's just something that... Yeah, I, I, th- I think, uh, you know, it's just another one of those things that you can yeah. add to your arsenal to get a different sound. It's like, uh, it's like slide playing, you know? Like I, yeah. I'm a mediocre slide player but every now and then somebody says hey we need a slide oh i can play a little you know so it's good to have stuff in your back pocket you know yeah, you, you never know it. yeah so yeah jude gold in my apartment right now oh man this is great let's do this now i just had the most amazing meal that <laughs> you and julie prepared for me okay let's be honest it was julie she is incredible it was julie yeah sorry and that I was mean, such a good credit, hang we're gonna do personal. this anyway though we got the energy <laughs> we're not gonna go into a roast beef coma or anything right yeah now, so. it's just spectacular so such a yeah. good hang 
holiday hang. I you know we're officially in the holiday territory. That's right. Here. That's right. So it's got a cool. We got the cool vibe going. Yeah, laid back. But, right. You know, watching you play all this amazing stuff, and you're so you're so skilled and so talented. And you know, I know everybody out there wants to know how did you get so damn good at bowling. Uh, well, I started with my left hand, and then because uh... <laughs> I've I've been to your bowling death matches, and what do you call it when a guy closes out all the frames? Like it's like uh, oh, all... you mean like a turkey or something? Like oh, yeah. strikes or whatever. Haven't I seen yeah. you do all strikes? Or, oh, I don't know, but you know, that... you know, like all strikes and spares the whole way through, basically. I get lucky every now and then. Yeah, oh, uh, it's it's mostly because uh, I. I'm pretty tall, and I seem to have this technique that I can throw the ball fast. I don't, I'm not trying to, but I think I scare the pins more than anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, you know, every now and then I'll get a decent over a hundred score, you know. But yeah. Oh, what do you mean so over a hundred? I need a hundred handicap to even make it a game <laughs> with you. You know, it's just all about fun. You know, it and, is. Yeah. Yeah, you know, getting getting some friends together and having a few adult beverages and throwing some balls. That's really what it's all about. So yeah, we got to do that again soon for sure. Yeah, man. So. Yeah, you got this great new album with Bleeding Harp. We gotta jump right in and listen sure. to one of those tracks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I gotta say I was a little bit guilty of you know Paul Vallis is such an amazing harp player. I was kind of think of you guys as a blues man, but you're so much more. It's so deep. These tracks. Uh, yeah, I you know I don't know if that's working for us or against us, but uh, it doesn't really matter. I mean, <sighs> we're just having a good time playing music, but. Um... Yeah, we kind of call ourselves a blues band, but there's definitely, with the players that are in the band, there's definitely other elements that get in there, and and we've just had some epic jams. It's definitely a live band that you want to see, you know? So a good friend of mine coined us as Blusion, which I really like. That's it. So I'll roll with that. That Let's listen to Truth, the title track of the new album. All right, I'm down. And I think you're singing lead on this. I'm not on this one. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I, I sing lead on Live to Ride. That's oh, the okay. only one. That's my I, one I tune. I, I think I read the text message incorrectly. Ah, well. Let's see if we can get the truth. Let's see if we can get the truth, truth about June? truth. <laughs> the title track from the new EP, Bleeding Heart. Now again, this song is one of those those tunes that there's so much to it, like this amazing piano break, like blusion, feeling it. It's blusion. badass trading solos happening and uh is that you and coleman jeff coleman yeah who you guys might remember from episode 50 of this show yeah one of my oldest bros we've played many shows together and had many beers together but um yeah that one we're swapping i think he takes the first one and then i kind of answer him so it's i think we just take a couple passes at it and you know he always gets amazing stuff you know so definitely makes you want to step up your game uh when he sends you a track for sure (laughs) oh the two of you together yeah so Uh, really are you are you on the right side of the mixer i am on that record pretty much i'm always on the right side that's kind of how i mixed it so 
uh, you know, you can kind of tell who's who, who's playing rhythm or lead at any given time. Pinnick from King's X, lead yeah, singer, bassist, yeah, singing on Whipping Post. Man, what a treat. What a treat that is. The session of recording that was just awesome because... Uh, you know, it was one of those things where kind of we I have been talking with Doug and texting with Doug and seeing when there was an available time to just do something. And of course, he's very busy. So out of the blue, I just got a text from him. Hey, man, I got a little bit of time, you know, for like the next two weeks. I'm pretty open. You know? And I don't know why I let that mean woman make me out of fool. She took all my money. So I rallied the guys together. We went and uh, went in the studio and cut it live. It's literally two passes. And, oh, so that uh, was a whole thing with everything mic'd up. You went in. Yeah, we we went over to uh, my friend Charlie's studio, Ultimate Ultimate Studios, Ultimate Rhythm Studios. I think it's called. And uh, yeah, I think we used every mic that he had, <laughs> or right. at least every channel he had in his board, because we just wanted to get you know kind of capture it live and. And, uh, you know, we got set up and then Doug came in and we set him up in the control room and literally we did two passes and we we're like, I think we're good here, you know, and he you know, sang it live right there. But he with sang you. it right there with us. Yeah. Right. And everything was cued too. like all the solos are open. They're cued. I'm literally looking through the glass at him, cueing him to come in, come oh, back right. in with the next verse and everything. So, yeah, it's it, it was a really great it's experience. A real moment. Everybody kicked ass on it. I wanted to figure out a way where I could get everybody to shine on it because I knew it was going to be a great track, especially with Doug on it and everything. So I figured, okay, I can get a solo in there and uh, Lau on the organ can get a solo in there. And I was like, okay, where can I get Coleman in? And you know that build up on it where it goes. Uh, you know, there's a buildup in that song where it's like a rising part. Yeah, a rising part. And then it goes to, to some. And breaks. it goes to these like, yeah, it goes to like, uh, you know. So I said, you know what, Jeff, just start soloing when we we're doing that walk up, and then we'll double that section there, and you can take all that part, and then we'll come back in with the screams and all that stuff, and and it yeah, it just worked, and of course yeah, you killed it. Every, everybody just played great.
Now, of course, we got to check out Live to Ride. Whose bike is that on the beginning? It's actually, you won't, I don't know if you remember him. It's a guy named Mike Dwyer. Mike was yeah. a, a bass player at MI. Yeah, Mike. And uh, I used to go riding with him and Gary Hess, the drum teacher from MI. Yeah. We would go riding every now and then. And um, I don't have a Harley. I'm the only one that didn't have the actual Harley. So my bike doesn't rumble as much. Yeah. So I said, and I wanted to, I actually filmed a video. If you go on YouTube, you can find there's a video for it that I actually did with a GoPro. I strapped it onto the top mm -hmm. of my car and I rode next to him on the highway and stuff like that. But as he was taken off, he fired up his bike. I was like, ooh, let me get that, you know? So... I got that, and then I took the clip, and I just actually just put it into the song. What know? did you use to record his Harley? I think it was just like a, it might have been just the GoPro. Yeah, I think that's all I had with me at the time. So I was, I was filming him. I wanted to get him riding off, taking off down the road. But when he started his bike up, I was like, oh, I got to get that because it had a really nice rumble to it. So that, yeah, I actually recorded that. Like, just stuck the mic next yeah. to his tailpipe. You know, and you're singing with him. Got to free my soul I need to feel control I sing on that one. Yeah, it's actually probably the first tune I've actually released with me singing on. I don't consider myself the world's greatest singer, but yeah, it just, you know, fell into the wheelhouse and it, you know, it worked out, you know. Badass, I'm feeling yeah. it. Yeah, that was There's fun. a sick guitar break like right after the first chorus going into the second verse or something. Yeah, on that particular song I'm doing all the solos. You know, a lot of the, from from my perspective, and probably some, from some of the other guys too, is uh, I'm a huge like Robin Trower, '70s rock kind of Frank Marino, that kind of stuff. And there's there, there's a lot of that on this record. This kind of like, you know, those kind of like, uh, you know, those kind of like minor-y yeah. kind of riffs or whatever. And that's what that is. It's you know. It's tuned down, though. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, you know, low and nasty. Yeah, yeah, I think it's tuned down. I tuned down a half step for that one just to give it that kind of, you know, drop tuning kind of sound or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I wrote that song actually quite a few years ago, and it was just sitting on, on my hard drive, and I was, and we were talking about when we got the, we kind of reformed the band, and we were talking about doing a CD, and I was like, well, I got some songs and blah, 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 you know, so that yeah. that one kind of made it on there, and can we just give a shout out to C sharp minor as one of the rockinest keys? Like a lot of people don't really mess with it. Uh, I know, I know you guys tuned down for that song, but it's still. This. Yeah, that's. Then the, you get the three chord is the E. That's the yeah, three it's chord. You know, it's that. Yeah. It's all comes from that. You know, that Hendrix thing. Yeah. The Hendrix thing. Know, yeah. But I yeah. still kind of think of that as E major. Oh really? No. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of it as like, actually, it, that song is kind but, of a yeah. dominant sharp nine sound. You know uh, yeah, I mean? I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I've got so many licks and like. This is such a great key. And it is because that, you know, the minor third is the, yeah. is the low E and it's just, 
it's cool to yeah. pedal against it. Yeah. I'm You know, uh, on another CD, we have, I have a song called uh, Gotta Have, and it's almost the same riff. It's a... Uh... Yeah. It's a fun key to, to solo in, yeah. too, because it's right in a nice slinky part of the neck here and stuff, you know. So Yeah, yep, that's true. If you listen to the guys like Robin Trower and Frank Marino, those are the two guys that are coming to mind. But they seem to have in their tone always some kind of slow uni vibe going on. It just just Yeah. And it just gives, I think it kind of tames down some of the top end off their sound. I don't know why they did it, but it sounds cool to me. I always, oh. You know, it's just got that thing. Do you ever have a lick where you remember where you were standing? Like, I remember where I was when I heard Robin Trower. Like, yeah. I was like, that's the coolest sound. And he had, like, the vibe. Like, he owned that univibe kind of tone. Yeah, that, and that's the, what I'm talking about. Is yeah. that always kind of... And that one, it's a little bit more aggressive, but yeah. on, on, he seems like he's always kind of got something on. You know what I mean? And Him and yeah. Frank Marino is another guy. It's like, you just... Their tone is like, is there a, a univibe on or a roto vibe or something like going really slow? Because you can kind of hear it swirling just a little bit, you know, and I always dug that. It's, it's cool. amazing. Yeah. Have you ever played through a really slow Leslie, like literally plug a guitar into it? I haven't. Maybe <laughs> that's what they're doing. But. I mean, it's still not the same as a Blazing Marshall, but it's like that sound of the, the slow Like hypnotizing, roll. right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I love that stuff. And that, you know, that's a big influence for the band is that kind of 70s rock stuff you know so like you were talking about truth i mean truth is kind of like actually pretty led zeppelin inspired really for me I, you know yeah. uh, the, all the little walk-ups and stuff like that is kind of getting that from like uh you know uh yeah You know, it's kind of that C sharp minor. B. Yeah, C sharp minor <laughs> rules, man. A writable yeah, record. In that's that, like yeah. no quarter or something, right? No quarter. Yeah, yeah one of beautiful. my all-time favorites. Yeah, yeah. It's so. so beautiful. Now I got to also ask you about a gig you did recently. See, you and Jeff Coleman, the double Jeffs here, such a great guitar tag team. You guys are <laughs> yeah. are just dangerous. And you two both sort of handle this Alan Parsons gig. This amazing thing. I want to start off, start off by first asking you about, because I know so many people who just are diehard Burning Man fans. You guys, the theme this year, which was just like September or something, was yeah. iRobot, which just yeah. like the great album. So you're walking in there, a total non-Burning Man person. And before we even get to the gig, tell me, what was your impression? Because like, if you've seen the photos, if anyone knows about Burning Man, I mean, there's the most amazing art there, the most crazy stuff going on. Was it like visiting another planet or something? What was it like when you walked it, into that it desert? It was literally like somebody built a base camp on the moon almost. I mean, the the sand, because I think it's in a dried lake bed maybe, and the sand is like really, it's like flour almost. It's real fine powder, so it gets everywhere, you know. And it's, uh, you know, if the wind kicks up, it can just turn into a full-on whiteout. You know, luckily, we had a little bit of that, but uh, when we played and stuff, it was clear, which was great because that was one of the things we were all kind of worried about our gear getting all clogged up with this powdery I didn't even think sand. about that yeah. yeah this is for real like if you try to rent a car around there they'll they have like a clause like if you take it to Burning Man you might be subject to hundreds of dollars of cleaning yeah well it gets all over the engine and everything 
Well, you know, I, I, I admittedly didn't really know much about Burning Man. I guess that, uh, you know, because of the theme of it, and uh, Alan, you know, thought, well, this would be kind of a fun thing to do, I guess. You know, I, I really, I don't think they, I think he actually reached out to them. Oh, really? When, when so he cool. heard that iRobot was their theme this year, I think he kind of reached out to them and said, well, we've been on our, our iRobot tour here for the past year, and we'd love to come down and play. And they, that we, Alan Parsons was the first, really big band live band because you know it's kind of an edm type crowd that goes there you know dance type crowd and stuff so it was kind of the first kind of legitimate big band they've, they've had other yeah. more local bands and stuff but yeah because well, it's, it's totally a non-commercial thing so right from what i understand how did you get paid i think alan just came out of his pocket i mean exactly and, and it was uh yeah i alan's a cool dude man he really is nice. he's a cool guy and uh you know we had a tour bus and everything and i mean you can imagine what that tour bus looked like by the time we left there i think we were there for four or five days it was <laughs> covered in that dust inside and out inside and out yeah i was like oh god i feel sorry for the guy that has to clean this you know <laughs> so what was it like walking around what's some of the crazy cool stuff you saw or well if you've been there, have you been there? Never. No. Well, I met one of your friends there, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Super cool. Brewster. Yeah, Brewster. Super cool. Um, it's amazing, really. I mean, the the people bring stuff out to the middle of this dried up lake bed that I don't even know how they get it out there. I mean, these huge statues and art exhibits, like stuff you can go inside and walk around, and it's like two or three stories tall, and, and there's people driving around in these vehicles that are, you know... I can't think of what they call them, art cars, I think. They just drive around and people jump on and they'll drive you around and drop you off wherever. And and they're all made up into these animals and all kinds of stuff. It's just, and and everybody personally is kind of, you know, decked out in some kind of uh, outfit yeah. of some sort. And it's just, I think it's just really about people, freedom for people to, you know, feel like they, freedom expression, there's no rules there. Yeah. They can kind of do their and do what they want. So yeah, it's a, a, a really interesting experience for sure. You know, it's probably not something I've personally would have thought I would ever be at because it's just not really in my wheelhouse, but it was an awesome experience. It really was. Yeah. It was a, yeah, it was super cool. And then, and playing there, you know, the cool thing was, is, you know, we all kind of dressed up a little bit like, iRobot kind of theme as best we could anyway you know we right. everybody had a little outfit on some more elaborate than others uh and you know as soon as we walked on stage and the crowd saw us on these kind of made up outfits and stuff like that they all just freaked out you know because we were in the spirit in other words and and they appreciated that you know so it was really cool it wasn't like we were some just dudes walking in there to play a concert or something and the, you know we were there for right. like four days you know being a part oh, of yeah. it it was really you did cool two concerts we did. The next day we did like a, an acoustic one. A couple of the guys had to go back, so they played the show, and the next day they had to go back home and work or whatever. But um, probably about five or six of us still left, PJ the singer and Alan, of course, and uh, Guy. And uh, so we did kind of a stripped-down acoustic thing, and that was yeah. really fun. I mean, it, it was in a tent, and it was, uh, you know, everybody was just sitting down kind of, you know, uh, chilling out and and we just kind of ran through these songs we never rehearsed them or anything we just kind of did them and and they came off really great and uh it was really it was really fun really great experience now back to the first main gig how well did your gear survive did you get a whole bunch of dust on it or what not too bad no well you know the other guitar player dan yeah i, I talked to him uh, dan tracy uh, dan tracy you, who you know yeah. yeah i met him on one of those cruise ship gigs. that's right yeah yeah and he he was like i'm bringing some saran wrap man you know because <laughs> i'm wrapping my stuff up in and i was like well that's actually a great idea and that's what we did we wrapped all our amps and and all our gear up in saran wrap and it and like i said we didn't really have 
any big dust problems yeah. anyway. But you know, God forbid a, a breeze kick up and you're literally in a whiteout there. So uh, that was something we kind of prepared for, and uh, it kind of saved us. Yeah, because that is yeah. so cool that <laughs> Alan Parsons flew you guys in there and dropped the oh, Parsons man. lander. Super cool. I mean, we <laughs> you know we took the whole tour bus up there, and you know we made a whole yeah. thing out of it, and we yeah we were there for four or five days. You know, we we were there to see the end of it, the Burning Man, Burning of the Man, and and oh, that that whole, yeah know. we did the whole thing, and and that is like a whole thing. I mean, what happens is is they they got this like they have like a statue of this guy, and he's know, like six stories tall or something. yeah and, and it's it's surrounded in a building kind of and it's all made out of wood so it'll burn and you know it's at a certain time they start the ceremony and literally everybody at that is camping there which is thousands and thousands yes. of people literally everybody brings their vehicles and brings everything up and forms a big circle around it so it's like this huge carnival going on you know and everybody's playing music and and it does it doesn't happen in like 15 minutes this, this yeah. is like a three or four hour ritual that they do and they have people come yeah. out fire dance and everything it was pretty incredible you know it was an awesome experience for sure yeah <laughs> yeah one, one so thing i'll never forget you yeah. i hate to ask you about the traffic but you guys made it to the end did you get out all right how long did it take to get out of that place because well, some people spend like 14 hours going like a yeah. one hour drive yeah well we left early in the morning so i think all of us were sleeping yeah, and the bus go. driver got up at like four in the morning and got us out of there. So I don't think it was too yeah, bad. You got to have an escape plan. Yeah. And, and going in there was, took us a while too. It was a big line to get in there. And at, at that time when we were coming in, it, it was a big whiteout going on, you know, the dust was blown and everything. Well, we were like, Oh boy, this is a trip. You, know? you guys are hardcore and Alan <laughs> is hardcore for doing that. Yeah. Tell us about Alan Parsons. I got to meet him on that boat as well too, just nice. for a second, but he yeah. seemed like cool guy. He's, Another tall cat, big he guy. He is. He's taller than I am, actually. Yeah, so that makes him like six four. Oh, he must be six four, six five. five. Yeah, yeah, man. So, what a presence he carries, and uh, such a super. Vibe. He does. He does. Uh, but man, he's such a sweet guy. He really is. He's just a a, a nice guy, you know. Uh, yeah, genius laid producer. Back, doesn't. Yeah, and you know, of course, you know, he's got Alan Parson ears, you know, so. You know, you want to be on top of your game because you know he, hears he can hear you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a great experience. I mean, you know, probably the first gig I played with him, I did a little tour with him last year because Jeff yeah. was doing another gig, and and that was a uh, you say was a little in, tour, but those were some beautiful venues, and that was in like the Netherlands and yeah, well, Israel. Well, the, the first couple of gigs were in Israel, and the first gig we played was no rehearsal. So, I mean no pressure you know? yeah <laughs> we did a little sound check rehearsal we just kind of ran through all the songs but that was pretty much it of course those guys have played that that gig you know many times and they're 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 wired into it and everything but for me another thing was too is um you know i'm not super used to wearing in-ear monitors and they do everything with ears and stuff like that i'm a lot more used to it now but at the time it was kind of new to me i was actually using them on other gigs just to use them just to get used to it and I yeah. lost my in-ears. So when I got there, I went to my, I have one of these little boxes with my ears in and I open it up and they're not in there. Oh and I'm like, no. oh no. The first gig? The first gig. So now I'm having to wear like somebody, a spare that they had, which was completely different sound. I'm like, oh my God, like this is going to be tough, you know? And Julie was there and she was like, it was awesome, you know? But I yeah. was definitely like, oh, okay. But, you know, after that, after, you know, the first one was, was a little nerve-wracking for me anyway because it was the first one I did. And, and it got better and better every time, of course, you know. And 
now it's it's great whenever I play with them and they're they're like a family you know the all yeah. the members of the band are super tight and supportive so they're super cool yeah. if you're sitting here right now and you're like oh, man I want to play one of the licks from the set well, what's, what are some of your favorite guitar parts that well, you get you know, to play let's see um, well there's the classic like uh, you know you know that's the uh wouldn't want to be like you. That's such a great jam. Great classic solo there. What's you know? the what's the bass line on that again? Uh, oh yeah, I got it. I, One, it, two, three, four. Yeah. Now, I don't know if I was supposed to change. Yeah, it, Mike I, a four I think chord it's like or something. A, kind of does like a C minor yes. thing there, but that's a you know I remember hearing that when I was a kid. I I heard that solo yeah. you know back in the day. Yeah. yeah. And it goes to the four. Now, the thing is, too, I, yeah. I think really, you know, especially like I was talking about that first gig being a little nervous because I sang lead on yeah. two songs. That was one of them. And, you know, I'm, I don't fancy myself a lead singer, you know. Did they audition means, you as a singer or anything? Like, you no, just send no, them anything? That's what I mean. Just it's like, like I, Jeff is just like, Jeff no, Marshall just, can do it. You know, I, before the gig, I went up to uh, Alan's house and we ran through some of the tunes and he was like, can you sing this one? And I was like sure oh, <laughs> yeah sure i can sing it you know wait slow down so you yeah. went to alan's house yeah yeah you know it must have it's a pretty a, cool pad it's awesome yeah <laughs> he, he lives you know in santa barbara and up in the hills and it's a beautiful place and you can see the ocean and yeah it's amazing oh, shit. It's killer yeah and he, he and he's got a badass studio he there, was right? building in this studio and um it's it's a little ways down the road from his house he had it in his house and he's like i'm building a new studio you should go check it out right and i go that's yeah. perfect and we were walking down there and he has a tesla car and i was like oh that's a tesla i was like how do you like that thing he's like let's take it so we jump in his tesla and just drive it like you know not an eighth of a mile down to his little studio or whatever you know and well, that's it, important to have that you know because i interviewed slash once and he was like man i used to have a studio in my house and i've never used it because every morning i need to like go out of my house to go to a studio right so right. I think if it's an eighth it's of a, a mile, psychological thing, yeah, just, just far to get enough away, so you're not <laughs> in the comfort of your home. You kind of in the work environment, yeah. It wasn't finished when I was there. It was yeah. still kind of like being drywall, but they, it's it's finished now. They've got a new, been recording a new record there. They've got a new record coming out. So That's awesome, yeah. So uh, you know, uh, super honor, and of course, you know, I can't thank Jeff enough for you know inviting me onto that and everything. And uh, I, it was really important to me to to do a good job. You know, because it's my yeah. bro and, and and it's great music. So Well, you obviously yeah. did a good job because he keeps hiring you. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I get callbacks there when, whenever Jeff's not available, so I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Do you ever talk Pink Floyd or Abbey Road? Two like, 
Dark Side of the Moon and oh man, it's it's just a trip. Like you know, like we were coming back. Alan from, Parsons, those are things he worked on. Sorry. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. I I don't think he's too keen on talking yeah. about Dark Side of the Moon. I think he's talked about it enough in his life. Uh, yeah. Although he will, you know, if, if you ask him, he's he's cool. But he's always up for talking about the Beatles, you know, and because he, he was, I think he was a, either first or second engineer on Abbey Road. And I remember we were coming back from Burning Man, which we were in, riding in the bus for 10 hours or 12 hours or whatever. And uh, we were listening to, I want to say it was something, you know, you know, the solo. And yeah. that's really super great, you know. And he was like, uh, yeah, that one took like eight hours. He started talking about the day that he was in the studio recording that with George Harrison. And that's when that, when the, those little conversations like that pop up, it really reminds you like, wow, okay. Yeah. This is the guy right here. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's what pretty amazing. Yeah. Deep cat, man. He's, yeah. He's yeah. A, but you know, he's, you know, he's low maintenance, man. He's a kid, yeah. chill, chill guy, you know, uh, as long as everything's smooth, you know, everything's cool he's really laid back nice guy you know it's no drama or anything it's great great dude i really enjoy playing with those guys all of them are great yeah so what you've been working on lately and your any licks you've been gonna uh you know i i'm always working on getting better at playing through chord changes you know and um you know i'm kind of like a bad jazz player you know like i don't really have any jazz vocabulary because i never truly really studied jazz but of course you know teaching at mi and just a little bit of education you kind of learn how to play through chord changes and how to play different modes and scales and stuff like that so i'm always kind of working on that a little bit you know trying to get better at that in my own way again i don't really i probably should like get a little bit more legit with some real jazz lines or whatever but I'm at, at my you heart, and me both <laughs> yeah I, I especially mean, me i'm a rock player you know like you and you know you 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 have a little bit of country and you have a little bit of jazz and you have a little bit of blues but at the end of the day i, I consider myself to be a rock player so and that's what yeah. turned me on to playing was you know uh, zeppelin and van halen and randy rhodes and those guys so yeah. I, I i still have that in me a lot, actually. Yep. I, I mean, listen, this is a, that's the kind of tone I kind of practice with all the time, you know. So, and that's kind of the tone I'm always kind of go for, like a Marshall-y kind of tone or whatever. You know? And I'm just, so, like, you're playing to the Kemper through some yeah. studio monitors, which is killer. Those Tannoys, were they? Uh, no, those are old Rocket, yeah. yeah, Rocket 8s, you know, that I got off of Craigslist or something, you know. Yeah. And I know that's the killer practice trick, but you are so generous. You got me set up through Fender Deluxe and your awesome pedal board. This thing sounds great. Yeah. That's a single coil Strat bridge pickup, folks. Yeah, that's, um, (laughs) I've been, I've been tone seeking a bit lately, buying some different gear and just trying stuff out. And, um, some of it I buy and sell, and some of it I keep. But uh, this this pedal here, this uh, Jan Ray pedal, I'm really digging. It's just got a, and that's what you're playing through right now. You're you're playing through the the Vemaram pedal. Vemaram. And, man, it's just got a sweet low end and a nice top end to it. It's just. Really yeah, it's. Fat I love it, man. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And I actually just recently, actually yesterday, I got this this other pedal here. Let me let me turn it on for you. This is kind of a they call you know Dude, one. You, you want to plug into it for a second? You do it. You do it. So and I'll I'll talk. I want to hear you through your rig too, though, because I've heard you through the really? Kemper. My, here, just while you, while you're sure. demonstrating the pedals. All right. Here, let me. I, I can give you this cable or whatever you want yeah, to do. Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, I just got this uh, uh, PAL 034, and I, I literally went onto YouTube and I typed in JCM 800 pedal, and that's one of the ones that came up. I had never heard of it, and I was looking for a, a board where I could get, I could just plug into a nice clean amp and I could get a cool, fat, stri stratty kind of sound. That, that Vemram does that great. And then I also wanted kind of that, you know, classic kind of JCM 800 crunch, you know. That and sounds great. Now you got a humbucker there on your on that guitar. Yeah, this one's got a humbucker. Now they they have different versions of this, but this one uh, is they call it the Slash version because the 034 was the mod that they did to the JCM 800s for Slash back in the day. So oh. there's this little button on the side. Let me flip it. You'll see. It, it gets kind of puts it more into that Slash territory. You know, they kind of... A little brighter. It's a little brighter and, <clears throat> and, a, and a little bit gnarlier and maybe yeah. a little bit more gain, too. Um, both settings are great. I, I, the other setting is, is actually a little fatter, maybe. So, you know, just get that kind of, you know... kind of 80s rock you know it's like it. i love that stuff you know and um i wanted to have that sound on my board without having to actually plug into a you know 100 watt marshall or whatever so that's that's kind of what i was seeking out and i i think it's pretty cool so far like i said only ahead of the day <laughs> i haven't yeah. done you know the gig is always the test you know but from what i can tell man just plugged into a, a you know simple old deluxe reverb it's pretty righteous you know do you run both of those pedals at once the uh I don't. I haven't yet. I I, I kind of think that they're kind of like almost two different palettes to choose from, but I, I'm sure I will mess around with them and that stack them and great. see what happens, you know. And then I, in the loop here, I have this uh, octave fuzz pedal. It actually sounds really great with the Vemram. It's kind of got that, you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of band of gypsies kind of thing going on. I've been on, wanting you know? a pedal like that for a while. I have the larger version, I think, but that's nice and compact. Yeah, little. the thing I find about this pedal is that it sounds better when you put it into another drive. Like if I turn this one off and I just, like, that's just a clean. When I hit right. this, it's kind of, it's not as hip All as right. when you put it into. The other pedal kind of tames it down a little bit and takes some of that nasally top end off it. And That's a full-tone pedal, right? Yeah. Now, just yeah. to be a super nerd here, do you have to have a separate power situation? Like, it's not a typical 9-volt. Well, if you look in the pedal, it's got a red thing on it, right? Yeah. That's a rever reverse polarity cable that you that yeah. actually I, uh, you get with those power supplies, those uh, Voodoo Lab power supplies. They Is that come what you with got them. underneath the pedal yeah. board of Voodoo Lab? Yeah, I'm dude. I nerded out on this board. I'm I'm usually not this nerdy. I also have this little board here, that's like yep. Joe travel board. You know, this this one has this uh, pedal on it called a Bad Cat Siamese drive. It's like I was looking for a pedal. Like a lot of times you stack pedals, and most of us probably know this, but whatever the last one in the chain is is what your tone is right so usually you'll you'll get a great sound out of this and then you hit your boost pedal and it changes your tone and when i do a solo i don't want to change my tone i just want a little more of that you know what i mean yeah so 
I found this pedal, and it's basically two of the exact same pedals in one. And so you can voice them differently. You can use one as a boost in front or behind or whatever. And right. it's, it's a great, it's super simple. It's just got three little knobs on it, but it sounds great. But uh, I use that for my little, you know, tiny travel small gig board or whatever. But uh, this one, I'm, I've been kind of nerding out, and uh, I actually have a patch bay on it too. So, so that's a separate patch bay underneath your... Yeah, it's, right. it's just a little four in and out kind of thing. Right. So like... I have different configurations if I want to go to, if I'm using an amp with an effects loop, I can run the effects loop out of it. Oh. If I'm just going to the front of the amp like this one, I can jump these two and, and go out to that to a clean amp. So I kind of Dang, actually thought about it a little bit instead clever. of just started slamming panels together. You know? That is super clever and it's yeah. so compact, this whole board. And a very clever thing you have on there is this thing that Boss has lent us that you are putting to amazing use the yeah, M courtesy MS3. of Dude Gold. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, courtesy of Boss and, and Aaron, Boss, yes, Aaron Marino for who? Yeah, the, that that you, you know the funny thing is mm. is uh, like I was saying you you I saw you you posted something about that on Facebook and at the time I was like oh that's exactly what I'm looking for I'm looking yeah. for something that will kind of get some pedals off my board and make it a little smaller I'm not like a super delay nerd or anything like yeah. you know i don't need a 600 hundred dollar strymon or anything i know they sound amazing but i, I don't yeah. feel like i need it it's just delay is yeah. just kind of in the background for me so uh you know just a boss delay is you know more than enough and and i and also you know some of the modulation effects like that are in there like there's a univibe and there's a phaser and flanger and all that stuff I mean, is it a 1969 yeah. Univibe? No, but it's pretty damn good. And, and yeah. people out in the audience are not going to turn their nose up at it because it's in this thing. It just sounds yeah. good. So, what's, you know, I'm not I'm more snobby about my drives because right? yeah. that's where your that's where your yep. tone is and how it affects your yeah. playing and stuff. But when it comes to stuff like delays and unless it's like a real specialty pedal, maybe like a pog or something like that would be cool. But you know just kind of the yeah. the the standard flangers and phasers and stuff like that i'm happy to use the uh but the that's boss. almost like that's yeah. just on this pedal that we're talking about from boss the ms3 mm -hmm. the the effects are the icing on the cake i mean the main thing this thing does is a literal looper it's got about it 12 output jacks on it enough for four different separate loops right so you can run it's got three loops in it three loops you can you know of course you can put more than one pedal in a loop you know yeah. what i mean and they do make bigger models but this one's right. compact and it's has compact and then uh, you can switch your amp channel with it yeah you, you can it's got midi you can tr control midi functions with it um i i bought this extra little boss whatever that's called f7 pedal yeah um because i wanted to be able to have a pedal just ready for if i needed a boost do you know what I mean? Yeah. Without having to go into any of the patches. So uh, I have this. Yeah. Does that. Just, so a, that activates an internal boost inside there? Yeah, there, I, I use. Uh, you can make it activate anything you yeah, want, yeah. but I, I use it as an. Uh, there's an internal clean boost on there, like on the master out. It's got yeah. a boost on it. You can set the volume. So yeah, and then I have the other one. Uh, turns off the delay sometimes i don't want the you know if you're starting to yeah. tune off you don't want the delay yeah and it's got a tuner on there so it's like it's magic man it's a it's a killer little unit and yeah this is uh pedal board what is it called a pedal train junior that's if, if you're familiar yeah. with that you know what size it is it's not it's like super big briefcase 
fast. Yeah, yeah, easy travel. So, and it, man, I can do with that. I can do just about anything I can think of. You know what I mean? Aside from crazy stuff, but uh, yeah, for just all around good stuff, it's it's amazing. I, I love this thing. So, I think yeah, I know you probably want it back by now, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> well, all this time I've been telling you, man, dude. I mean, you've had it for six months and you've been using it and. But now that I've seen it working the way you have it today, yeah, I do want it back. <laughs> I knew it. No, I knew it. I shouldn't. Have, I knew I shouldn't have busted it out. No, I, I brought it out just especially so you could try it and and see, you know, what what, what it does because it's super cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's clearly you put some time into wiring it all up, but then you got the George L cables. You building your own or? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm on the fence about those cables because if you don't actually just do it just right, then the next thing you know, you got a ghost on your pedal board and you don't know where it's at, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but you know, they are handy for cutting custom sizes and stuff like that. That's so. the thing. Yeah. I love about it. Yeah. yeah I, you can just, you know, spread it out to the length you need and just take a, a pair of wire cutters or whatever and just cut them and, and then really easy. But sometimes they're not perfect every so you'll have to maybe trim the end again or something and uh every now and then you just don't do something right but overall they're yeah they're great it's really cool can i hear some more of that that octafuzz again yeah so so i have right now the uh the vemram pedal on here it's the janray so this is a clean sound just a kind of a basic well, yeah. palette right and then that just gives you a little just Beautiful. the air around that, you know. And then uh, if you add the octave fuzz to it, it gives it a real kind of uh, And the trick to these octave fuzzes, I've had a few of these over the years, yeah. different models, but you got to back your volume down just a little bit, right? So if you're on 10, you don't quite get that effect, you know, but if you if you bring the volume down to like 8 or 9 on your guitar, You just that that octave comes to yeah. life then you know what i mean so it's a little bit of finessing but it's super cool right but the one thing that i really <laughs> like is you get like when you play two notes at a time with those things you yeah. get that kind of ring oh, modulation that's like you know awesome. like, you know you just <laughs> the notes kind of run together and they don't know what to do and they kind of fight each other a little bit you know? So it's super. Actually, I used that on Whipping Post on the Bleeding Harp CD, the first solo right after the first chorus. Yeah, I kicked that in, and I, I honestly wasn't expecting to. It, it just kind of happened because you, know, you guys were live. <laughs> yeah. yeah. inspired i'm gonna bust out my i got one from alan hines oh nice because you know he's always got a river uh, here flowing through a, of course yes, <laughs> yes. i was like okay i'll buy it <laughs> yeah, i yeah. love that pedal so much yeah is it the same one it's the bigger model oh okay so it takes up more real estate i love That's the small cool. footprint yeah 
That you know, the, I had it. Uh, I've had it on other boards, but I've always had to run it off batteries because I could never figure out the power thing. You know. Yeah. And then I just ponied up and bought one of these Voodoo Labs, and it, they they. It's oh, yeah. the, they kind of expect that, so they they include that. With you got to have a, some some like a Voodoo Labs power supply, some with isolated power to each pedal. Absolutely, yeah. Some, one, uh, be I've learned that the hard way. Yeah, I've, me too. It'll save your life one day. <laughs> yeah, I I have a couple of pedals that are tuners that are also power supplies, and I thought, wow, that's great. I take like yeah. daisy you know. chain it out. Yeah, but it's just not the same. You if you're going to yeah. be legit, you got to get something that's going to isolate everything. But yeah, so I'm I'm pretty stoked cool. about it. It's a uh, it's simple, but it does everything I want to do. And and with the addition of that um, kind of that that Marshall pedal, you know, it just turns a, a Fender Deluxe into a kind of a fire breathing. Oh uh, yeah, madman. That that's just that's just the Palo <laughs> three four. That's just the Palo. That's it. I'm embarrassed to play a Van Halen in front of you, that's oh, for sure. Oh, stop it. No. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> great unit, man. It really is, and uh, I'm super pumped. Oh, and he's giving the cable back to me. Yeah, I'm going to plug back in over here. I'm now, gonna... you've got to at least tell us a l- real quickly about your signature guitar that you own. This is Jeff Marshall. I... I'm, I'm more than happy to tell you about it. Yeah, so um, the one that you're playing there, the Red Strat there, was the first one that I got from iconic and a, a good friend of mine prashant i'm sure you know prashant yeah. swanee yeah great player monster um, yeah he uh you know he, he has a little studio over there bogner's place and he does a lot of work over there doing demos for different companies and stuff and at the time he was endorsed with somebody so he couldn't do it he just called me one day he's like hey i got some guys coming over would you mind coming over and just playing some of their guitars and reduce a few videos you know i was like yeah sure of course you know so i went over there and the first guitar i saw when i walked in was that and that and i'm a huge yeah. gary moore fan and that reminds me of his old red strat that he played kind of yeah. before he got uh, into les pauls and stuff like those older records quarters of power and stuff quarters, like that dude yeah. talk, hey, give me that tone you got it i think you got this, it. you couldn't have mentioned it better <laughs> because he gets the martial sound with a single coil pickup and, and right. that song cold-hearted yeah yeah man that's the tone yeah. Where's he up here? Now, of course, he's got it much louder, and he's getting a little sustained. Yeah, of course, uh, yeah. Dude, that's the year, yeah, single that, coil that, strat. Honestly, when I saw that, I, you know, I just thought, wow, it's like Gary Moore's red strat, and it's, it looks incredible. And then I picked it up, and I was like, whoa, it's just got a thing. Like, the neck has got a thing. It's just got a mojo to it that I just was drawn to. And as I was leaving, you know, we did a few videos and chatted a bit. And then as I was leaving, I just kind of grabbed the red guitar and I was like, okay, guys, just joking. Like, hey, I'll see you <laughs> later, you know. And Kevin, uh, Kevin Proctor, who's the guy at Iconic, was like, hey, man, you know, if you want that guitar, we can work something out, you know. So he just gave it to me right there and, and then, and then uh, started talking to him about building something. Uh, you know, of course, right after that, I did the first Alan Parsons run, but I didn't wasn't quite comfortable enough with it yet to yeah. feel like I would. So I brought another strat out and I said, you know, I kind of need a, a humbucker strat too. You know, I just need that yeah. for sounds and stuff. And so he said, okay, well let's build you one. And that's, that's where this guitar came in. I just, I had a, a, a thought in mind what I wanted as far as it looks, but more importantly, I had very specific neck 
profiles and uh, frets and all this yeah. stuff that I really I love those frets you have on there, big ones. I haven't even played it yet. Yeah. But are those, what are those, six, these? Are, these are Jeskar frets. They're, I think they're German, maybe. I don't know. Oh, uh, cool. But they're not Dunlop. And, uh, you know, Dunlop's great, but right. they're to me, they're a little generic. Um, these are kind of like in between 6105s and 6100s. Okay. 6100s are a little too big for me. I feel like I'm playing almost a scalped guitar, you know. But uh, th these are kind of in between those. They're they're jumbo, but they're I can not never figure out that numbering jumbo. system. I'm sorry, I'm backing up here. 6100s are you're telling me they're bigger than 6105s? Yes. Or, how I are think, we supposed to know this? I I've only, I only <laughs> know it because I'm a total nerd. Like yeah. I would play guitars and I would ask people what frets are on those because you know I find something yeah. I like and I go well what frets are those you know because I you know when you buy a guitar off the shelf I, I usually have to end up refretting it because yeah. I'm I'm not so happy with it I might I might love the tone or the uh, every, the yeah. feel of the neck but then the frets aren't happening and, you, and it's just good to know that stuff so like every time you do a refret it's almost like you get a custom guitar you know custom I'm, to you. I'm asking because I do have a guitar that I need to put well, here, play this one. genius frets on yeah so yeah just car they're great okay so now I'm holding a Jeff Marshall iconic signature model yeah so iconic is uh, based out of San Diego they're uh Smaller boutique company, you know, uh, uh, just got a little shop out of there, and all their guitars are made by hand, and you know. Yeah, these frets are exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, those are Jess Car. They're 57 by 110. I'll hook you up. I'll let you know. Yeah, sign me up for these, man. Yeah, let's see. Uh, is pretty oh, much man, like a killer. guitar to my specs like i really dig it you know? i'm gonna cop your style when i'm leaving here i'm like thanks for the guitar yeah <laughs> well you know i don't quite have as deep pockets as <laughs> oh. 
I, I might be chasing you down for that one. I feel you. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, you know, it's got Lawler. He uses Lawler. It's just good stuff, you know, so I'm, I'm happy to work with him. And, you know, I, I actually... Yeah. You probably know this, but I play with this cat, Mark McKay, yeah. who was a student at MI, like five years. Oh, he was. A, five I didn't years. realize he was. Yeah, he was in my freaking single string class at one point, you know, and, uh, you know, literally he was just like, I got to get a band going, and now he's, you know, he's doing really great, and I play, still play with him all the time, and I hooked him up. He's got a uh, a new Strat, oh, and he's got a new great. Telecaster from Iconic, and he's just so happy because the, those guitars are, are great. These are made you know? in San Diego? Yeah. Badass, yeah. man. He's got a shop. To, as a matter of fact, I'm going down there tomorrow to pick up two more. One of them is ah. Mark's Strat, and he's made me a new one, too. So oh, i got another white kind of relic-y Strat coming, so I'm, I'm pretty stoked, yeah. Incredible, man. So, well, yeah, congratulations I mean, you know, on that. Very yeah, good. thanks, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where you, you know, you, you it's a little bit smaller company, but, I mean, I, I hey, asked man. the guy for something, and he does it, and it's exactly the way I want it. You know, it's just you just kind of get this really That's good treatment. That's where it's at nowadays. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I believe in that for sure. There's so much good stuff. It's just, you know, just like we were talking about the golden age of Netflix, it's also the golden age of it <laughs> small is, builders. It is, Small builders, boutique pedals, right? I mean, look yeah. how many pedals are out there and stuff, you oh, know. So, nuts. man, if you can't get your tone nowadays, then you got problems, I guess, you know. Word. I still can't get my tone, so oh, I, yeah. I, I well, definitely have problems. <laughs> The tone, yeah, the, the tone gods giveth and the tone gods taketh away. Yes. <laughs> I should also put a, give a shout out to uh, Mr. Reinald Bogner. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just got one of his new uh, super lead, uh, Goldfinger super leads, and <laughs> that's a monster, man. That amp is just a rock and roll machine, man. It's killer. And so much versatility, and, you know, you can dial in endless sounds with that thing, and yeah. it's got all kinds of bells and whistles, and, and, and just the clean sound on that amp is, like, the best Fender you've ever heard. You could just literally yeah. just put pedals into it, and you'd, you'd be good to go, you know what I mean? But then you got these other channels that are, like, ridiculous, so really good stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'll pretty to, stoked. <laughs> can't wait to hear that one. I plugged into one of those for, like, a few minutes once. It was amazing. So. Yeah, he, of course, you know, he always... He's had that yeah. finger on the pulse for a long time. Yeah, just you know, like you sure. instantly feel like a better player. Like, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> like, wow, I actually sound pretty good. Yeah, here. Like, hey, check me out. <laughs> like, look at this freaking thing. Right, yeah, yeah. This thing is helping me out. Well, I got to get one, you know. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, yeah, you know, and aside from that, you know, of course I can't haul that around, you know, when you're doing fly dates or whatever. So you, you got to figure out some yeah. solution to to travel but you still want your tones there so that's kind of what yeah. i'm working on here with this you yeah know, well you've done a lot of cool stuff you're yeah. talking about how you might get some of those positive grid or one of those positive grid pedal board amplifiers yeah well you know i, I the thing is is most of the time well you know yeah, yeah. I, of course that's no secret i i use the kemper anybody knows me I, i've been using yeah. that for a while and i rich the funny thing is i originally heard about that through coleman coleman yeah. started playing with um John Payne from Asia, right? He plays in Asia all the time now. And uh, John Payne had uh, very early on, he got a Kemper. I guess maybe he knew some of the guys yeah. or something, and he gave it to Coleman to get some of his to get some of his amps. So when he went into his studio, he'd have his tones, you know. And one day, uh, Jeff sent me a an email, and it and it and it just said, guess guess which one is the real amp? And it was two clips. And it was one of his old Fender amps. I, I know most of his amps he has. He's his old, like, 60s Fender head that, yeah. you know, when you dime it, it just goes berserk and in a cool way, you know. Yeah. And um, it, it gets all the – it's really complex. It's a complex tone. There's a lot of overtones and stuff. And he um, 
he uh, sent me that clip and I literally could not tell him apart. And that's when I was like, okay, I got to, maybe I started looking into this thing, you know, mostly I wanted it for home recording. Uh, Obviously I'm in an apartment here, so I can't be firing up loud amps. And I thought when I was getting it, I thought, well, I might as well get the power amp version because you never know if I'm going to, I might try it on a gig and, and you know, for things, especially nowadays, more and more in-ear monitor type gigs, you know, going direct, you know what I mean? No amps on stage kind of thing. Even bands that were around for decades are going that direction. Yeah, more and more. And especially like I've been, you know, I'm a little bit in that country world and uh, everybody's doing that in that scene, everybody doing direct kind of stuff, you know. So the Kemper works great for that. I'm I'm getting to the point now where I'm getting a little skittish about bringing it because, you know, it's not a cheap piece of gear and it's I have a case for it and it's a kind of a pain in the butt to haul around. So I'm thinking about um, a way I can kind of get the same kind of vibe, you know, a direct, a great direct sound, but I can also integrate my pedal board. And so, um, yeah, I'm looking at those positive grid and really what I, all I really need is just a good clean palette. The pedals do all the work. So I don't think I, I think even though it's kind of a modeling type amp or whatever, I think I can get a decent clean sound out of it so I can juice it with my pedals. That's all I really want out of it, you know? And that's also kind of got a direct out type of thing too. So that's hopefully going to take the place of the Kemper on the road because uh, I, I'm always in the, every place we go. I'm in the back of my mind. I'm going, "Where's my Kemper at? Did I leave it? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, is it in that truck or this truck? Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's just a, it's an expensive piece of gear that I'd soon not thing. soon not replace. But you know, at the end of the day, none of these things completely repa- re- replace a real amp, of course, but. You know, in 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 some of these gigs where you're doing in ear monitors and stuff like that, you're not hearing your amp anyway. You know, I mean, yeah, uh, I've done many gigs now where I don't even have a cabinet on stage, and everybody comes up to me after the gig and goes, "Yeah, it sounded great." So you know, (laughs) it's in those fingers, in those those ears. One would like to think, but yeah, the uh, so you know, and that's always met with some resistance with with some people, you know, and and uh, I get it, you know, because you just really can't beat a good tube amp of course you know but you if you if you can get me 95 percent of the way there and and uh yeah let me do my thing i'm i get a pretty good tone so i'm not too worried about it you know yeah you will so until i can uh until we can afford the uh bogner backline do you hear that rhino bogner <laughs> backline <laughs> yeah. uh, i'll be doing that for a little while anyway so now did you and mark mckay ever do those shows opening or you did a little mini tour with the nuge ted nugent yeah we went on on the road with ted nugent we did two week tour with opening for Ted oh, yeah. Nugent and that was uh, tell me about day one we walk right. in this is the best day actually this is the best day <laughs> where was it we're in I think not Richmond Virginia but like Virginia Beach because uh, we right. just flew in we came in the night before and we had our sound man with us so it's just the band and our sound man and we had as minimal setup as possible because we literally had to you know strike in like five minutes get everything off the stage so we're using all direct stuff in ears and um we get there uh, the, the night before. We got in a little late, so I hit the sack. I was a little tired. Woke up the next day. Everybody else is sleeping, but uh, the sound guy was like, "Hey, I'm going to run over to the venue and and you know eyeball things, see what's going on." Was it like an outdoor place or something? No, it was an indoor place. Oh. It was like a theater, probably maybe you know fifteen hundred seat or something yeah. like that. And uh, I was like, "Yeah, cool. Let's go. I want to check it out too. I'm up. I'm ready to go." So so we go over there, and it's about eleven o'clock in the morning. And Nugent stage manager, I won't mention any names, but Nugent stage manager was like, I don't want to see you guys till four o'clock. 
I don't, I don't even want to see you, you know? So we're like, ooh, okay, this is we first time yeah. we're meeting anybody. And then uh, we come in, and, uh, of course, there's two crews there, right? There's Nugent's crew, which are on the road with him, and then there's the house crew that work at that venue, right? Yeah. So And we don't know who's which. It's the first day, you know? So we walk in, and there's a guy standing there, and, and we're like, so, so this we, is four o'clock or this is about five to yeah. four you know right. and uh we're, the guy was like yeah you can go ahead and start setting up they're done you know we're like oh, okay cool so we start setting up and they didn't they have this tarp they put over uh ted nugent's gear while the opening band is playing so it doesn't expose his whatever you know and uh that wasn't on there yet of course we didn't know that but that wasn't on there yet so we get about 60 percent of the way set up and out comes Ted's road manager or stage manager. He's like, nope, get this stuff off the stage. If he's like, if you don't see that tarp over that gear, you don't start setting up, you know, and laid down some ground rules, you know, and it was, it was a little tense, you know, we're like, Oh, okay. This is how we're going to be. And they, they warmed up, uh, you know, yeah. the thing was, is that uh, this is what I heard was, was the band. We actually replaced a band that was out with them that they fired. I don't know who that was, but, so they were probably like, oh, okay, who are these nitwits? You know what I mean? And uh, after we played a couple shows and we, sh- we, you know, Mark's a great entertainer. He warmed up Nugent's crowd. They were in a frenzy by the time we got up, oh, done with them, you know, yeah, so he, they appreciated right. that, you know. So they warmed up to us after a while. But the first couple gigs, we were walking on eggshells around there a little bit, you know. And, you know, yeah. that's, that's the way it goes sometimes when you're the opening band, you know, you got to... You know, we would literally like just grab our stuff and and walk off, and there would just be a mountain of cables, and we'd have to <laughs> sift through all these cables in the back, you know. But you know, eh, something, there's a story there, so there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's fun. You're the band and the roadies all at once. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely not the Alan Parsons project. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, we all do. Yeah, I have gigs like that too with Jefferson Starship. Like, wave good night, and then. I'm going to grab this guitar right here, too, and this one, and I'll be right back, grab that pedal. Oh, hey, there you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was literally like we would end the show and kind of wave at the crowd and then maybe step <laughs> off stage for like 30 seconds to yep. kind of give it that vibe like, you know, okay, here comes our road crew, and then we just walk back <laughs> out and <laughs> Well, you got to be on it. Even at, the, even at the end of the night, if if there's not someone taking care of your gear, we, one time we had our all our guitars loaded onto the backline truck, like a U-Haul where all the backline rentals, right, which were just gear, local gear from that local city. That truck was about to drive away with all, they, they didn't know, the state, local state chance didn't know what, they just were doing their innocent right. job, innocently right. put right. it, put the shit on the truck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you gotta yeah, watch that stuff. There's like three teams there, right? There's the local yeah. venue guys, there's your road guys, and then there's you, and then maybe any, if there's any other bands yeah. there doing their thing, so. Yeah, it can be uh, confusing, you know. It's, and that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. when I'm out on the road with my gear, I'm I'm like I'm always got my my brain is always like, where is my guitar? Where is my, you know? Because yeah. stuff gets misplaced in, in, in intentionally, you know. Or, and you gotta gotta be on it. Otherwise, you could be in uh, you know Boise, Idaho tomorrow or something. You don't know about it, you know. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's always a, never a dull moment, as you know. You Did know? you get to hang with Nuge at all or meet him or? Not really. We did get to meet him after yeah. like our third or fourth show, I think. Um, uh, Mark came out we were packing up gear and Mark came out and he's like hey man come on because you know I, I, I was like when he asked me if I wanted yeah. to do the Ted Nugent tour of course you know there's always the politics side of Ted Nugent you know what I mean which uh, you know 
can always, yeah. you know, be a little hot topic here and there. But in my mind, when he said Ted Nugent, I'm thinking I'm 13 years old listening yeah. to Double Live Gonzo, you know, and, and I'm you're like, from Michigan, right? And I'm from Michigan, and I, I just grew up listening to Aerosmith and Ted Nugent, and long before any kind of politics or anything. And um, so I was like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, I, you know, I, I grew up. You know, playing all those riffs I, that's, I learned how to play guitar with half of those riffs you know so I was like yeah man and I have to tell you he was a super sweet guy yeah. actually and there was none of that rhetoric going around at all and it was just super cool to be standing side stage you know yeah. watching Ted Nugent play a stranglehold and and all the he was playing a lot of that stuff off of the double live gonzo which to me is like this classic record that i probably wore out when i was a kid so uh, you know i was like a little kid again i was like that's the nuge out there doing his thing you know and he was doing the old birdland hollow body and he get all the feedback and all that stuff yeah yeah so it was it was cool so you know I heard he puts X's on the stage where the good feedback spots are. I think so, yeah. Like I'm he's sure got little true. areas. You know, he wears a headphone mic so he can walk around. So yeah. in, in different places, he gets different things out of his guitars. Yeah. And there's a couple of things that he does that I never knew how he did it. I never really thought about it much. Like he's got this one song on Double Live Gonzo where he gets this feedback and it starts going, the pitch starts bending up. Right? It goes, yeah. almost kind yeah. of sitari. Right, and right. I was like, I never thought about it, but I was like, how does he do that? Because his, his guitars don't have a tremolo on them. And they're, those hollow bodies have the bridges where the strings are suspended for a little bit behind the bridge, right? Before yeah. they go into the uh, holes or whatever. piece kind of. Yeah. Or? And he does, he, what he does is he gets yeah. feedback and then he pushes on the <laughs> string back there to get that going. And yeah, I never knew that, but yeah, I actually like, saw him doing it. I was like, ah. That's it's like a behind the nut bend, but it's, it's behind the bridge. Behind the bridge bend. Yeah, yeah. I, ne- I would have never thought yeah. of that, how he did that, you know. But then when he did it, I was like, oh, that's it. That's how he does that, you know, so. Yeah, it was cool, you know, and and we got a chance to play the Ryman Theater with Mark, and that oh, was a sweet. amazing time. And you know, uh, yeah. we, Julie came out and met me in Nashville, and we hung out there for about four or five days. And yeah, it was yeah. it was really fun. It was a good summer, man. Really, a lot of really good shows this year. It was fun. See, like it's amazing that you fit all this stuff in between teaching at MI every week and all these different gigs, local gigs, tours. And then of course I'm always seeing the Lautizer stuff. Like they, he's like a, he's in bleeding harp, I believe the he piano is. player he's, plays he's a beautiful piano. Player. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but he does more of like a jazz, like orchestra kind of stuff. Yeah. Some it's, of those big it's, ensembles. It's kind of like world jazz, I guess is yeah. how you kind of describe it where it's, you know, it's a lot of different influences and, um, you know Jeff Coleman did that gig you know uh, for a long time they've written many records together and everything and you know of course you know Jeff's super busy now he's like touring with everybody and his brother so um, you know it was kind of a thing where he wasn't really doing it much anymore and and Lau was like you know and I had subbed for him on that gig many times so I kind of knew the vibe and everything and I was like yeah sure let's do it you know so he asked me if I wanted to get involved in it and um, I didn't really realize it at the time but he was going into the studio to do this whole multi-camera shoot is is you know I didn't yeah. really realize what the ambition of this project was you know uh, of course it's awesome but at the time I was like yeah sounds good let's record some tunes or whatever you know and then as time went on I was like wow this is you know we we're like rehearsing with like a mini orchestra over here and a horn section is like 
15 people wow. and i'm like wow okay you know this is okay there's some yeah. real stuff going down here so what it was was it was the same guy that did all the snarky puppy uh videos mm. and uh so we got a hold of him and his crew and they came in and we went over to conway studios in hollywood and recorded everything live the whole record is live yeah, I don't, I don't the, even think there's any punches on it to be honest with you I think it's literally like if the take somebody wasn't happy with the take just do another one until you know we got it and most of them are done in a couple of takes there was a couple of them that, wow. that and that music is involved elaborate <laughs> it's yeah. involved so you know you got Gene Coy on drums who plays with Larry Carlton and he just did a tour with Seal amazing drummer just a total yeah. monster um, Rick Fairbrachi on bass who you know ridiculous wow. and of course, Lau, Kelly Minucci also uh, plays guitar on it. Um, Manyongo Jackson, who's uh, Stevie Wonder's percussionist, plays percussion on it. He played with Miles Davis. This is an interesting cat to hang out with because this is a cat that actually has my, real Miles Davis stories, you know? <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, cool. yeah, he's an interesting cat. And just, uh, you know, Karen Briggs on violin, and then there were some other yeah. people he brought in, uh, Rachel Grace, um, Carrie Frank, who did just did a, a tour with... Um, Tadeshi Trucks played organ on it, B3. So I uh, have some heavy hitters, you know, and all done live in the studio. And then the, so when you, if you get the CD, it's a package, yeah. it's a CD DVD. So it's, uh, it's super so badass, cool. man. It really is. Yeah. It's probably one of the most epic projects I've been involved in. You know what, what I mean? What song should we play from that? Uh, well, you know, I, I one of the songs yeah. I co-wrote with Lau is called A Prayer for Unity. And um, it's a little bit low key. So I would say play maybe something like, uh, there's a tune on there called Metropolis, which is a great song. Uh, there's a lot of great songs, of course. Um, the thing is, is I, I'm trying to think of the titles because all yeah. at the time, all of them were working titles. There were, one was called like G minor and the other one was called yeah. D minor. You know, <laughs> So I'm trying to, what are the damn things called now? But uh, the one I wrote with them, I'll, I'll show you a little piece of that. Because one day we were yeah. up here, Lau lives right below me, by the way. He's right oh, downstairs. that's right. I remember yeah. when he lived... He used to live by the beach or whatever, right? Yeah. He, now, you know, he's li- a few years now, he's been living downstairs. When that apartment opened, I certainly wanted somebody that was hip, you know, and that wouldn't complain about my loud guitar playing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so one night he was up here and I had an acoustic guitar and I found this chord that okay. kind of had a little bit of a Michael Landau vibe to it to me, you know what I mean? And I just started moving it around. That's pretty. Yeah, so I just started moving that chord around. It's like a C over G. Exactly, yeah. It's got a C on the bass and on t- or a G on top and on the bass, yeah. but there's like a C major triad in there. And then I just moved it up, minor third. And then down a half step. And then up a minor third from there. Then, so I started playing a pattern. And the pattern I was playing was just kind of 4-4 four, four time. And Lau was like, put it in, can you put it in 7, you know? And I was how like, that sound? Uh, well, that's kind of the way. I don't know how, to, I don't remember how I was playing it, but uh, it's like... Um, That last measure is four. 
Yeah. That's so, nice chord, man. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, that chord is from another tune, like an Emerson, Lake, and Palmer tune. You, you, I'm sure you've heard before, but I didn't know that. What, a Lucky Man? or no? Something, one of those tunes. And I don't remember. Kelly showed me. We are in the studio because he was there. He's like, oh, man, yeah, I love that chord. It's in this. And he started playing that song. He's like, wow, it is. I didn't even know that. I just kind of stumbled upon it. But that's one of the tunes that's on there. It's called A Prayer for Unity. And, and then we... Uh, I went, you know, Lau's got a grand piano downstairs, so I went down there and we fleshed out some more arrangements for it, some more chords and stuff, and so that made it, and so that made it on the record, so I'm very happy about that, you know, something I was involved in. Whoa. So yeah, epic Check project. Yeah, and it kind of goes, uh, it goes to, uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite chords too. The, yeah, the, right? The, yeah. Or these chords, like the, you know. Like in, you know, in, uh, on that Bleeding Harp CD, there's a tune called Breaking Me Down. And the middle part where the kind of comes down a little bit, it goes, uh, it goes. It goes to that chord there. Yeah, so good. That's pretty. Yeah. You guys stretch on that? I'll just C minor, you know? Well, right on, Jeff. Thanks for meeting today, man. Yeah, baby. And thanks to you and Julie for the great meal. <laughs> Keep it alive to you, 95. Thank <laughs> you.